The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know the ancient Egyptians believed that there was an armadillo standing at the gateway between the living and the dead? It didn't do anything, really. You, you could just see it when you went by. It was just like kind of watching. Yeah. For more armadillo facts and to unlock bonus content, check us out at patreon.com slash armadillo podcasting club. Wheel of Time turns and ages come and pass, leading memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're going to cover chapters 50 through 52 of The Fires of Heaven, book 5 of The Wheel of Time. So previously, Nynaeve successfully finds them transportation to Saladar, but accidentally starts a war that tears the city apart. So, you know, I guess we can call that a win? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, they fight their way through the war-torn city and pick up a boatload of refugees. Then they ruin a kindly ship captain's career and practice their dream skills before finally arriving on the shores near Saladar. That's all that happened in all the, in all those <laughs> chapters. He wasn't a kindly ship captain. He was a misogynist smuggler. You know, I mean, we're only getting it from one person's perspective. That's a good point. Yeah. Chapter 50, To Teach and to Learn. Icon of the Flame of Tarvalon. So, uh, Nynaeve and Elaine... Uh, and Swan Sanche and Lian are grilled mercilessly by the Aes Sedai. Yeah, their arrival did not go quite how Nynaeve expected it would go. What was she thinking? Yes, <laughs> that's what I was wondering. We're going to be received as heroes and treated as, you know, no, not at all. It didn't happen that way. Yeah, the rigid structures of Aes Sedai hierarchy, I'm sure that's going to be great for Nynaeve. And this is, how would Nynaeve have taken this? She wouldn't have rewarded somebody else coming to her with this information. She would have done exactly this. She would have treated them like crap and taken away all their magical artifacts. <laughs> all, their, all their toys. Yeah, but finally, though, finally, somebody is asking, why did you send these three young accepted after the Black Aja? Mm -hmm. Finally, Sheriam asks Swan that. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. Because they're main characters. I had to. <laughs> what, did, what do you think of their explanation for doing so? Her she explanation. Didn't know who I think it's actually true. I mean, she didn't know who to trust. If you recall, and this was like, you know, three books ago, the reason that she sent them was because literally she didn't know who could be Black Aja. And she was pretty sure they weren't Black Aja because they just showed up and were, I guess, Moraine kind of vouched for them a little bit. Yeah, because they were from this village and they were old friends of the dragon or something. And if they were Black Aja, then they weren't connected well, they, they couldn't be Black Aja. They might be dark friends, but they couldn't possibly be Black Aja or something like right. that. Right. So the, they were the, the only people that she was reasonably sure weren't Black Aja. Because all the people at, at that point, 13 sisters that nobody thought were Black Aja to begin with, you know, people from all over the place, turned out to be Black yeah. Aja. So she, at that point, who do you trust? I always kind of thought she didn't actually expect them to succeed. She was just sort of sacrificing them as a long shot. She's like, yeah, go go find the Black Aja or something because you're the only people I can trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, that's a good that's a good question. I don't I don't know how what her her success expectations were. She did know that they were very strong in the one power, like stronger than anyone that had come along before. So they had that going for them. But yeah, that's a they didn't have much in the way of like world knowledge or experience. And in fact, they weren't even particularly good at navigating. Anything, which is why they kept stumbling into traps. But, you know. If I was a suspicious person, I would say she would view their deaths as not necessarily too bad in the long run because that cuts off another tie on Randall Thor. 
that might prevent her from controlling him. That's an interesting point. If if they had been killed by the Black Asha, not only would it have cut off a tie, it would have given uh, Randolph Thor um, another reason to hate the Shadow, right? I mean, since they aren't sure necessarily at that point where his loyalty would Maybe. land. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um but they did a lot. I'm sure they did a lot better than she ever expected. Yeah, I always kind of thought Swan maybe had some other irons in the fire when it came to the Black Aja, but we never found out about any of that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's any te- evidence in the text to say one way or the other. So, the Dark One seal is broken. He, oops. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because because I mean, like they basically just been carrying it around a bag. They didn't know that it was softened as as. Yeah. Do you think it broke on its own, or did they actually, you know? Broke it. I've been wondering about that. <laughs> I think that it is uh, even can, even odds either way, right? Carrying I mean, it in a sack in a like, circus wagon. <laughs> like we thought it was Quindalar. I mean, yeah. you're supposed to be able to break that shit. I mean, even Moraine, we find out later, has been take has been carrying the two dark one seals in like packed in sawdust and barrels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that they they did have it wrapped in some fabric or something, so it wasn't exactly like you know. Bouncing around in the bottom of a, of a chest or something, but it wasn't uh, as as protected as they probably should have if they had known. Do they explain how that actually works? Okay, so we there are seals that are supposed to be unable to be unbroken, but how is that supposed to work? Well, well so if this which, is which part? Because I mean, they're Quindalar, so we yeah, know what that is. Sure, but like, how is it like a? It's not a metaphorical seal. It's an honest. It's an honest to god seal because if it breaks, that somehow the Forsaken are able to get out, but. Is it a magical? Is it tied to something else? How does it work? My understanding is that it's sort of like a magical focus. Like they have, that maybe it's, they, so we think of magic in this world in terms of weaving, right? Mm-hmm. So you could think of it as like an anchor point for like a, a massive weave that's all around the dark one. Hmm. Like okay. maybe it's the tip of the iceberg and the rest of it is not in this world. Yeah. We, the, 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 I guess the short answer is we have no idea because they never really explain it except by saying that it's, these, these are the seals that, that hold the dark one and. The, like the literal seals, you know, mm-hmm. not a metaphorical kind of thing. My ongoing hypothesis is that what Quindalar is, is it's sort of made of reality rather than made of stuff in reality, which is why it can't be broken by anything inside reality. So it's sort of like a logical thing, right? Like it's, it's by its very nature, it can't be broken mm-hmm. because it's made of something that comes from outside reality or something like that. Uh-huh. Know? And maybe this, we'll learn more. I don't know. Yeah, this particular Quendilar is probably connected to whatever it is that is really holding the Dark One. That. And the ability to make Quendilar is one of those things that was lost, right, from the Age of Legends? Yes. Okay. Yeah, nobody knows how it's made and nobody knows how it's... Until now, nobody knew how to destroy it. Like, there was literally nothing that they knew that could destroy it. If you could make something out of Quendilar, what would you make? Would it have to be something, like, stony? Well, yeah, I guess... I, I, Quendilar like, seems to have, like, a stone-like texture, at least. Uh, and it, I guess probably no moving parts, right? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I guess you could make moving parts out of Quindalar. I mean, my first thought was sunglasses because I break mine all the time. Oh, that's yeah, that's good. good. Quindalar sunglasses. Solid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe really thin frames. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. A hat. Really sweet Quindalar hat. Quindalar yeah. hat? Yeah. Oh, what about nice. you, Jeff? Oh, I don't know. Skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, would you use it? No, I don't know on a skateboard. <laughs> the vehicle. Cool. Yeah, a skateboard you can't break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's I I mean I guess one of the most useful things would be like a like a kitchen knife or something right like one of those like sentoku blades or whatever Is that mm-hmm. like sentoku what's a what's the most effective stone weapon probably a spear yeah a spear mm. I I just don't think that we have much use for weapons uh, unbreakable weapons these days yeah 
Maybe a flathead screwdriver. <laughs> a Quindler flathead screwdriver. Be very useful. Multi-tool. Uh, oh, yeah. Quindler multi-tool. Yeah, that's it. Is Quindler really heavy? Do we know? Uh, it seems they don't mention it being really heavy. Mm. I'm sure it's pretty similar to like a stone, you know, maybe like marble or something, mm. which is a little on the heavy side. Man, a Quindler bottle opener. That'd be pretty useful. Yeah, right. I'm always breaking those things. Mm-hmm. Wait, really? Yeah, I'm really strong. Anyway, speaking of knowledge that's been lost, Nynaeve is super interested in Swan and Leanne's uh, stilling. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. She's not, I guess, steeped in the Tarvalon culture where they don't talk about stilling ever. Yeah. She wants to get in there and test them. Yeah, I think this is actually kind of a fun, like, branching out of Nynaeve's interest in healing. If she If she sees this as like a... A thing to heal that that could be kind of cool, you know. Having her explore that, I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm really interested in her her research on that. Um, I think all things considered, this could have got like their their interactions with the like what do you call these the new White Tower the the Isidai the, in the, Saladar the White Tower in, in exile or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the Saladar Isidai. I think it could have gone a lot worse. Like they they get grilled and then yeah. I, essentially at that they're like, well, okay. You're good I mean, now. Yeah, well, they, they managed to hold some things back, like Birgitta, yeah. which is part of their oaths or whatever. But I, I'm i a little upset on their side because they did do some awesome stuff that few real Aes Sedai have ever done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that if anything, from what we know of Aes Sedai, the fact that they did those things is not necessarily a good thing exactly because they don't control them. Like Aes Sedai are very much about like controlling power and, and strength. So if they have these elements, even if they're really excited about the things that they did, their first and foremost interest would be to like get them under control, right? Yeah. I, I remember now why Swan trusted them. It was because the Black Aja had attacked them specifically. Ah, and that's why she knew and they it were. It tried to get Aja. rid of them. That's so that's right. why she was, yeah, trusted them, which didn't, doesn't actually make that much sense because the Black Aja attack each other all the time. Maybe she doesn't know that. I feel like seeing what Nynaeve and Elaine and Egwene can do really highlights how weak the White Tower has become and how weak mm-hmm. just the Aes Sedai in general have become. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, here's these, here's these two young women who are talking about bringing back knowledge either that was, that was never there, like uh, knowledge of what happens to a woman when she's stilled and possibly mm-hmm. being able to f- cure that, but also uh, bringing back lost knowledge with um, Elaine and the Adam, which she super wants to get into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crafting Tarangrel is something that's... Yeah. Only one of these Aes Sedai is even half-heartedly interested in that. Yeah, for sure. I think they're, they're just up their own butts. <laughs> That's a that's some good literary uh, analysis there. <laughs> I mean, it's it's also possible that as cool as those things are, they don't seem like high priorities compared to all the other shit they're dealing with right now. Yeah, I guess that's true. And, and Tom and Julian and Uno offer to help them escape, you know, steal some horses, fight their way out, which is not that bad an option, honestly. Yeah, I, I mean, they really have no reason to stay at this point, and frankly, it wouldn't be the worst thing for... Nynaeve and her co- they've, they've done their mission, right? They've conveyed the information that they hope to convey. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be the worst thing for them to just, like, get out of Dodge and head back to meet up with Rand, right? Yeah, I, I think they should, but I doubt that they'll get out of the Aes Sedai web. Yeah, I, I just thought it was funny that, like, Tom and Julian and this, the, the whole Shinaran thing were, like, thinking about leaving, but it's like... Nynaeve is top run. They're not going anywhere. You <laughs> know? Stuck. Yeah, they, like... E- 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 there is 
maybe a reason for Nynaeve and company to, to stick around. But for the others, like Tom, Julian, and the Sharnarans, they really should probably get out of there. I mean, they're... Mm. This is not going to go well for them. There are better places for them to be, but no, they're not. Well, leaving. speaking of, Gareth Bryan immediately recognizes Tom and presses him into service. And he immediately clocks that Uno is a Shinar and badass and presses him into service, too. I actually kind of love this scene because it really illustrates how, number one, how Gareth Bryan can just, like, command a room. Because he walks in and he's just like... Oh, hey, you knew that. Like, all of a sudden, he is the conversation, right? Yeah, he's in charge. Yeah, like, immediately. And, and, and in such a way that nobody even thinks to counter him on it, really. Which is kind of cool. And also, he's excellent at identifying assets in people, which is something that's very useful in a commander. Yeah. he. I like how he talks to them very differently. Like, mm-hmm. he's very direct with Uno. It's like, you know, if you don't have anything to do, I want to hire you to train my troops. And then to Tom, he's like... I knew a man once who looked a lot like you who was good at playing a certain game. <laughs> and I wonder if you might want to play a few of those games. And, and Tom is like, well, I can play. I can play a game as long as it's not a game where, like, it has a consequence that I don't like. And the guy, and Gareth Bryan is like, yes, well, we'll play games. And, and you can leave in between games, but you can't leave in the middle of a game. He's <laughs> <laughs> super <laughs> circumspect. I know. It's pretty great. That's... And they have a whole thing where Tom's like, yeah, I used to know a guy named Gareth Bryan who wanted to kill me. <laughs> like, yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool, though, because that's something that we see echoed in Randolph Thor looking at different people and identifying how he can use them. Yeah, which is cool. I, it seems like Gareth Bryan is the most competent person in Saladar at this point. Oh, for sure. Surprised me. I mean, maybe Swan, but well, not even her, really. I... She, I think they have different skill sets for sure, but... Yeah, I, I, I'm very interested in Gareth Bryan as a character now. Mm-hmm. I've lost a lot of respect for the Aes Sedai. I really have. Um, mm-hmm. And like they're even talking about how great it is that they can get into Teleran Riyadh now because then they can get they can use Egwene to use the tower to control Rand, which I think they just flat out say. And it's like, guys, you're not that powerful. Like you, yeah, right. Yeah, you think you you just expect that's the way it's going to be that you're going to be controlling the dragon, but guess what? Like you're deposed, like you're not that powerful. Yeah, you're not even relevant, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not For yet. Sure. And and it's it, it it makes a little bit of sense to me that they're behaving that way because that's the way it's always been for them. Mm-hmm. Like the before this year, even right before this these last three months, the White Tower essentially ran the world. But did they? they I mean, did. they ran Tarvalon, but they had they had. An Aes Sedai in nearly every court in, in, in the area. And, and they were trusted advisors in many places. Like, they were, through their intrigues and their manipulations, they were running a lot of stuff. I mean, we see subtle uh, references to this when they talk about the way that... I mean, one of the things where they talked about how Swan was having this them stop attacking this one lord or whatever. Like, they're, they are... They have plans within plans all over the world. I wonder. Because... Like, for instance, that plan just sort of fell through and went nowhere, right? Yeah. How much of it is them running the world? How much of it is them just sort of thinking that they run the world where they really don't have much power at all anymore? That's a good question. I mean, you know, they, there's no Aes Sedai in Tyr, right? And there's no Aes Sedai in Ilion because they're banned. Mm-hmm. Are they banned in Ilion also? I, I vaguely recall that. Okay, yeah. maybe. And nobody trusts them. Everybody hates them. The townspeople are like scrawling the Aes Sedai symbol on people's doors just to like. To, to mark out dark friends or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it seems like the Aes Sedai are most strong in terms of like the court in Camelin, but even then, Elida was just a, 
advisor to Morgays. She wasn't ruling it herself. Yeah, I I wonder. Again, when we meet these Aes Sedai, they're just, they're stuck up on their own internal drama BS, you Mm -hmm. know? It feels to me very much like a power in decline. I would, I would say that's probably true, regardless of what it was before. That's definitely true now. I think something that would really strengthened these stories is if we had gotten a better idea of what it was the Aes Sedai were actually doing. Like, we, some concrete, what are they doing? Because we know that, like, the blue are the battle ages, but the only thing we know about, the example we have of that is Moraine. Yeah, the green was the battle ages. Excuse me, the green. The blue are the ones in terms of justice and everything. But, like, mm. what are all the, what are all of the gray Aja doing every day? Where are the yellow Aja? Sure, they're right? healing, but, like, we don't what see are them they out doing? In the world. Yeah, I mean, the brown Aja are apparently, that makes sense to me. Like, they're out, you know, studying papers or whatever, but. Everybody else, what are they doing all day? Where are they? We never get a snapshot of that ever. Mm-hmm. Maybe the answer is they don't do those things as much as they used to because they don't. They can't. They can't. There just aren't enough sisters anymore. Sure. Yeah, but I'd still like to know what a day in the life of a green or a white or a gray Aja looks like. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you, and and it's interesting because they talk about the green Aja being like the battle Aja, but like. I said I aren't really allowed to practice those that kind of channeling in most cases, right? Yeah. So what are well, they, they can, doing all day? They can do it against darkspawn. Yeah, but be, so does, do the green eyes just go hang out in the light? I've well, never so. heard that, but that would make perfect sense to me. Yeah, I mean yeah. that that's the only place they can go practice, really, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, they, yeah, I, I don't know. I think they probably just hang out in their their hall in the tower and they just tell each other stories about how bad they are. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would be really interesting, especially like the gray or the mediators, right? It would have been really fascinating to know what a gray Aja was actually doing. Like if they're, if they are in a court somewhere helping mediate disputes. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So Min has a viewing that the three add-ons that Nynaeve's team brought back are trouble. And she doesn't know what it is, but they're big trouble. The three women refugees? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Min and Elaine have a grown-up talk uh, and agree to be sister wives. <laughs> yeah. Um, Min has all these, like, awesome powers and, like, she could do all this, this, these interesting things, but really what they want to talk about is boyfriends, I guess. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> it's just frustrating to me. And Min, Min is, like, such a useful person, right? Like, mm-hmm. they should be talking to her about anything else. What are you seeing? Like, you know, what, there's a lot of information she could be giving them. Yeah. And I love, I love too, how they know, uh, Elaine now knows that there's going to be three women attached to Randolph Thorne. They don't know who the third is, but that's okay. Cause Avian is taking I care know, of him, yeah. but they sure would like to know who that third one is. Maybe it's Bear Lane. Good thing Avian is there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know that's pretty good. But, but they also mentioned something about a Kyrianan woman, I think. I thought maybe. I... Oh, they just, they're worried since he's in Kyrian, it might be a Kyrian woman. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, well, we know who the third woman is for Yeah, sure. well, thank God Avienda is there to, you know, make sure that the third woman doesn't it, yeah. get yeah. into his pants. Can, can't possibly access his dick because mm-hmm. she is blocking all access paths. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like sitting on it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Problem solved. Uh, if you want this dick, you're going to have to get through me. <laughs> Literally? Yeah, literally. Mm. Wow. In this chapter, there's actually a, a scene that I really like uh, where Nynaeve goes toe-to-toe with Swan, which uh, I actually thought was kind of cool. Like, she has this thing where she mm. she witnesses 
or she catches like just a, a hint of interaction between Swan and Lan and uses that as kind of this this leverage to get what she needs as far yeah, as Yeah. She dealt with like Swan that. as a peer. Yeah. Which has never happened before. And we know how formidable Swan is in terms of manipulation and understanding. So it's just kind of cool seeing Nynaeve actually do something competent, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I hate to, I hate <laughs> to say it like that, but it was, it was really cool seeing her just well, like... She does lots of things competently, but social interactions is not one of them. Right. And she did it here. She totally did a great job. She kept a, a hold of her temper and Swan tried to steamroll her. But it just didn't work because she was able to, to play the game. Yep. But, and Ny- but Nynaeve also is not discounting Swan now that she doesn't have the power, which a lot of the other women yes, are doing, that's which is a, a mistake. huge mistake. Yeah. yeah. There's the Even in this chapter, Swan and Leanne are pretending to hate each other yep. so that they can manipulate mm-hmm. the, the Aes Sedai, right? Which is definitely clear. But the Aes Sedai don't see it and Nynaeve sees it immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, these people have been best friends for 20 years. What are you talking about? Of course, they're not enemies now. Yeah, there's kind of a, it's just kind of an interesting interaction. Was, so that's that's really a great point, actually. Yeah, Nynaeve, Nynaeve sees what's there in a way that I said I can't, mm-hmm. which is really weird that Nynaeve is the one doing that. <laughs> she's she's so bad at seeing lots of things and interacting with people. Yeah, she nails it here. That's right. great. Chapter fifty one. News comes to Kyrian. Icon of the dice. That's my favorite icon. Yeah, well, it indicates a particular character that we are all coming yeah, to enjoy. Great. So Rand is ruling Kyrian, and uh, the nobles are variously trying to curry his favor. That's one way to put it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, one noble in particular is trying to curry his favor in the most direct manner. (laughs) Trying to curry his something, yeah. (laughs) Lady Colavir is sending a succession of women to Rand to try and ensnare him with sex, (laughs) which is like... Everybody tries this on Rand. Everywhere he goes. Is it just because he's a guy? Is it they assume because he's a young man that's like the, the easiest way to get into his influence? It must be a money play in every other situation, except if you're like a, a prudish two rivers guy. <laughs> it's like, well, we have to get married now. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry, I already had sex with Alfiander. I can't have sex with a woman now. <laughs> I'm locked in. Oh man. And but so Rand has this thing and it it, it, it happens here too. He really needs to learn. Like Telling someone that you aren't going mad is significantly more convincing if you don't punctuate it with like a crazy laugh. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going mad yet. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> All right, cool, Rand. That's good. Yeah, yeah good talk. Thanks. Uh, I'm just going to find the. Oh, yeah, there's the door over there. I'm just going to. Oh, that way. <laughs> yeah, the, the young lady that Colavir sent. Uh, he scares the shit out of her by acting super crazy. Yep. And then he's like, oh, oops. Well, I guess that worked out. That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> I liked how she's like, like a, he turns down a skinny girl and he sends a plump girl. And like, he turns down a tall girl and he sends a short girl. She's like, I just have to find the right combination. How many noble, like young, noble, eligible, noble ladies are there? Because like, he, it sounds like there's a whole slew of them. Yeah, a bunch. She has them on tap. Yeah. But Rand has to strong arm the lords. Because they... They just don't want to get on board with his schemes, which, you know, kind of makes sense. So he has to grind them under his boot heel. It sounds like things are actually going pretty well for, for the Kyrian. And, like, you know, often Rand leaves a, a trail of destruction in his wake, but these grain barges are coming in. People are getting fed. Osiers are coming, which is cool. Osiers are coming to rebuild. And Kyrian and uh, people, it's going well for them. But for the lords, you know, they want to keep extracting wealth from the people using their prerogatives. Yeah, fuck them. 
<laughs> yeah, indeed. This this is what Rand is doing right here. That's right. He gets a message from Berlaine. Oh, that's right. She's bringing a small a small force of uh, Mail. Was it Mail? It's just an army of yeah. Mayanans. Yeah, small Mayanan army to to join him. Why does she ask about? If Perrin is with him, I couldn't remember. So you have to, like, it's, it was a while ago, but you might recall that uh, she was uh, interested in Perrin and wanted to make him her court blacksmith, which is heavily implied that she wanted to, you know, right. yeah, get I her remember, hands on those wolf muscles. I remember Fael getting really jealous of her, but I didn't know if there was more to it than that. I, I think Berylaine saw Perrin as a path to Rand. Because Rand didn't work out or something, I think. A it, sexy path. A sexy path. And, you know, Perrin apparently is pretty fit. You know, he's a good-looking mm-hmm. dude, so. Mm-hmm. So this is yet another person trying to control Rand by getting in his pants. Yeah, that's, and, that's the thing. And Rand, I actually thought this was pretty clever. He actually talks to Colavere directly and says, I like a lady with a little bit more experience, if you know <laughs> what I mean. Meet me tonight. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, I mean... I'm not sure what his like long long game is there, but at he least he doesn't seem like, to have a plan. <laughs> so let's see what happens. I guess. I mean, maybe I don't know. Is he gonna hit that? <laughs> is he? I mean, he. It's not. It doesn't seem like something he does. You don't send people to suck this dick. Suck <laughs> <laughs> it yourself. <laughs> Ew. Uh, but we we get an important piece of information that blows apart one of our theories. Mm-hmm. So I have to al- offer an alternate theory. We thought that Asmodian was Michael Jackson, right? Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I think that Asmodian was actually Prince because oh. Asmodian uh-huh. has f- an outfit that has falls of lace at his neck. Oh. So that is what I'm offering instead. Yeah. yeah Michael Jackson didn't wear a lot of lace. That's no. True. He wore glitter. Mm-hmm. But you know what Asmodian's really wearing? Right, nothing at nothing all. Nothing at all. <laughs> they mentioned how he's as well dressed as any lord. And I'm like, is he? <laughs> that dude's free balling. <laughs> he's blowing in the breeze. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, the dark one's going to break loose and torture me to death. I am not wearing a single stitch for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So after the meeting with the lords, well, Rand is doing the job of ruling Kyrian. Uh, Moraine, Egwene, and Avienda come in with some notes. You know, it occurred to me during this scene, and this is kind of like a side thing, that having a master musician following you around, musician slash composer following you around, is actually a pretty interesting, like, tangential benefit. Like, he's just, like, playing Rand's theme music constantly. And, like, it's in in really subtle ways, he's helping him. Like, Mm -hmm. he's using the music to, like, influence emotions and, like, distract people and stuff. It's always appropriate. Like, I, I don't... Is there anyone else in history who's done something like that? Just, like, had a... A musician follow them around and like work on the people around them. <laughs> I wonder. It's kind of brilliant because music is a really powerful emotional influencer. If you have somebody who really knows what they're doing, then that can help you, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's its own Oscar category, right? Yeah, I mean, it, you can make someone feel sad. You can make someone like ha- feel a little bit, you know, happier. Yeah, give them plus one to their attack roll. Plus one to their attack rolls. Yeah, <laughs> it's. It, I thought it was kind of interesting because, like, throughout this scene with with all of them sitting there he's just in the background just like playing music and like they mentioned periodically that he's like oh and he played something a little more ominous and then he you know it's like that, <laughs> that can really add something to what you're doing i wonder when they make the movie of this or the tv show is he just gonna be playing the the background music for the movie <laughs> that's right they don't have to have theme music oh that's so dude. meta <laughs> so the first letter is from elida and she's like fuck you come serve me and the second letter is from alvieran which is very 
subservient. Yeah, it's like an obsequious, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we're. I'm honored at the chance that I might ever serve you, Lord Dragon. But don't tell anybody I sent you this message. And we know that she's basically the Black Aja running the White Tower, yeah. right? Yeah. So this is interesting. Do you think this is... I think it's something we've discussed before. Do you think this is her setting up Elida as the fall guy? Like, this is like the... the her setting Elida up as this, like, character that Rand can take down so that, you know, she can insert herself? I don't think she wants to be the Omerlin seat. I think that Alviaren is already in charge. Yeah. And, and doesn't take any of the heat from it. I think maybe... She's doing the old dark friend thing of saying, you know, I will serve you, great master. You can have power, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's curious to me, though, that they both send messages without acknowledging it. I'm assuming that this is to point out that um, Elida has zero idea what's going on. She really doesn't know at all. But that's yeah. interesting, too, that Alviarn would send a separate message without acknowledging that Elida had sent a message as well. Mm-hmm. Well, she kind of... Does I mean not directly, but she mentions that you know people in the White Tower are blind or something like that. So that could be like a a bit of a reference to Elida's letter. I guess. But you're right. It's not. It's not super. Yeah, overt. we don't quite understand that yet because we don't quite know what Alviaren's plan is. Yeah, we don't even we don't even necessarily know who she's working for because right. as we know with the dark the dark friends they they tend to be pawns from one Forsaken or another, but we don't know which Forsaken is pulling those strings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked that. One of the last things she Alviarin says in her letter is, whatever you do, don't show this to Moraine. And Rand is like, huh, how about that? And hands it to Moraine. <laughs> no, I like that too. And, it's, and he, he even acknowledges, he's saying, hey, you know, uh, if you hadn't given me that oath, there's a good chance that this would have been the thing that would turn me against you. You mm-hmm. know, So good, good job, Moraine, I guess, right? Yeah. I get ahead of that. We get some good physical description too, mm-hmm. I think, right mm-hmm. here. And... It's it's pretty funny. Um, I mean, I get tired of them constantly berating Rand, but oh, yeah. yeah, but it is a little funny here because Rand says, "I'm not a fool," and she says, "Okay, I guess not." Sometimes, and then she kind of like looks over at at Egwene, who stops and thinks about it for a minute, and is like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> it's cute. I liked that. Mm-hmm. This whole chapter has a whole lot of them trying to cut Rand down to size for his own good. I guess they think, but. <sighs> Yeah. A lot of people who are mean think that they're doing it for good reasons. Yeah. yeah. Egwene is still withholding information from Rand, which in this case really pissed me off. In this case, it's the the Saladar, the Aes Sedai and Saladar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she won't tell him that. Which is something like, that would be really useful for him to I, I was like, send her away. Like, this is, a, this is an enemy of you. She is using this, this withholding information to manipulate you against your purposes. Like, oh my God, this is so aggravating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Matt shows up, so that's a lot less aggravating. Yeah. Oh, he has his new, his like his own little crew. Oh yeah, they, they, we get a little, a little bit of backstory. Like in the last week, he he tried to escape, but all of his like devotees chased him down, and they ended up getting in three battles with the Andorans. <laughs> yeah, it's like, is it an accident anymore? It's he's just like he's just rolling around, like beating enemy. Like he wins every fight too. They talk about how he's like, three, yeah, three this down. time he won every fight. Yeah. And they, they're called the Band of the Red Hand, which is actually pretty cool. That's super badass. Yeah, that's a good name. Way better than like the Honeybees or whatever that other group was. The Bumblebees. The, the Golden Bumblebees. Bees of Ilian. The Golden mm-hmm. Honeybees, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently they just keep going out and winning fights. Yeah, right? Skirmishing with the Andoran soldiers. Yeah. 
And I like that. He was he's trying to escape again, and it just didn't work. The battle just comes to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they, he got some news. Sadly, Morgays is dead. Yeah, this is this is interesting to me because we know well. We know that Morgays isn't actually dead. We know that yeah. she's just escaped. Um, but this this weird kind of like subplot that Robin's working on has kind of just ruined their trap, right? Like the whole, their whole big plan was to lure Rand to Samael, and then some, like Samael's the bait, and then they're going to do their little right. The the Forsaken are going to gang up on him. Yeah, but instead they're they're drawing in the wrong direction. Yeah, and ambushing some random person. You you got to wonder why didn't Robin? Why didn't it occur to Robin that doing that would have that effect? First of all, Robin didn't kill Morgase, right? No, she but, escaped. But he's the one who's putting around the idea that she's dead. Um, yeah, but that he had to do something because she's been gone for months or weeks or whatever. That is true. And he also doesn't necessarily know that Rand has this tight connection with Elaine. Because otherwise, why would Rand give a shit about Morghese? He doesn't consider himself her subject at all, even. Yeah, know? that's true. So this is like a weird tavern connection thing. Yeah. That ends up like... Like the the tip of a knife tilting everything in a different direction from the way it was going. Yeah, this this it really made me think of that because it's just like this strange series of seemingly unrelated events that lead to this total shifting in the in Rand's path. Right. Yeah, and the, like the the thing that started it all was that like Talonvor is in love with Morghese or something. Yeah, and that's what got eventually got Morghese to snap out of it. So Rand swears vengeance against Ravin. And uh, Rand and his Chandler buddies plan an attack on Robin. So this is a... I guess he was planning to go against Samael. Yeah. Uh, initially, yeah, he was saying... He was gearing up to go after Samael, which is exactly what the Forsaken wanted. Yeah. But... Um, and Moraine's acting all weird again. Moraine's and... Oh, sorry. Moraine's acting all morose and deathy. Yeah, she <laughs> is. She's, she's all like... Ah, you're doing well. You'll do fine when I'm soon dead. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, okay. Uh, All right, see you tomorrow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And Rand gives some orders to Matt and his band to to head down to Tyr. I assume to start the the move against Samael. Yeah, he's he's kind of taking command of part of Rand's army. You know, which... From from like wanting to like leave is kind of a big step in the last couple days. Right, yeah. He's like, well, as long as I'm here, I guess I'll lead your armies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we cut to Matt, and uh, Matt heads back to his chambers, and Melindra attacks him. Yeah, I was not expecting that. Me either. And I'm not actually, I don't think I really understand why she attacked him. Because she's a dark friend. Well, yeah. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) But like, she's been a dark friend for a long time. Well, that means she works for the dark one. Wait. She's a bad guy. Oh. This whole time. Oh, I thought she was just like... Having woman troubles or something. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what dark friend means. No, no. I, but I mean, like, she's been a dark friend all this time and presumably there as a spy of some sort. So yeah. why now does she decide the thing that she's supposed to do is kill Matt? Well, if you read this closely, it's pretty clear. Because remember, she attacks him with a dagger that has the golden bees of Ilion on it. Oh. And she attacks him right after he sort of blurts out that Rand is going to Camelin. Mm-hmm. And she goes, Rand is going to Camelin? And he's like, oh, no, no, forget I said that. And then she attacks him. So she's trying to redirect Rand back towards Samael. That's her orders, I think. Oh. And so we know now that it was her who slipped the message to Kadir a while back saying that he yeah. wasn't alone. Seems, Seems likely. likely. Yeah. 
Unless it's another Aiel woman who's a dark friend. Right. I mean, there's a lot of Aiel, so it seems possible. Yeah, but like, how did Samael get to Melindra in the first place if she was in the waste? We don't know that he is necessarily him who did get to her. But she's but she has the the then how did she get this dagger with the the honeybees on it, you know? Well, that's the golden one. bees. Sure. Yeah, the bumblebees, yeah. <laughs> the, the, bumblebees. The, the bumblebee dagger. <laughs> yeah. How did she get that in the first place? Cuz she cuz that I mean that demonstrates that she is acting on behalf of Samael. It's possible she got it from Kadir. Yeah, she might have gotten that in Kyrian. Yeah, that's a good question. We, we haven't seen that dagger before, right? No, sure. Weird. I mean, I guess we never really know for sure how dark friends be- are approached and become dark friends in the first place. We don't really know about that. Mm-hmm. And that's even more curious since the Forsaken had been uh, sealed for so long oh, away okay. from people. We know that actually that she might have been just a dark friend sleeper agent that's been there for a long time. We know that Lanfear and Asmodian were there in the Waste. Mm-hmm. We also know that Balsamon... Uh, talks to people through their dreams. Mm-hmm. So it's possible she was recruited by Balsamon before any of this happened. I'm just imagining Balsamon popping up in people's dreams. Hi, would you like to become a dark friend? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's sure. probably exactly I what mean, it's like, right? Are there benefits? Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> the health is great, but after you're dead, I'll burn you. For all eternity. Yeah. Like, you don't die. You just burn forever. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not like this came out of nowhere because we knew that there was something suspicious about Melindra, but I still... F- found it a little iffy, confusing. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I thought maybe it was just because uh, Samael was actually concerned about Matt being involved in things. But maybe that's... Maybe, you're probably right. It's the, the redirection thing. That's what I think. This is what... It's, it was her standing orders are to make sure that they stay focused on Samael. Mm-hmm. So chapter 52, Choices. Icon of Lanfear... That's sort of a spoiler still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, when I saw that at the beginning of the chapter, I was like, huh, I wonder what that's about. <laughs> so. Just uh, preparing to go kill a Forsaken. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, Rand is preparing to, for the attack. He's like, okay. I mean, okay, this makes sense, right? Take a bunch of channelers, you know, where you're going to go teleport in and surprise attack him. Yeah. Sort of, kind of. Having a shave, dressing up nice. Yeah, wearing his best coat. He wants to look good. We find out that Avienda has savagely beaten Lady Colavir. Because Rand forgot that he invited her over. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that, that happens, huh? And, and she's like, yeah, and I beat the shit out of her. And he's like, oh, well, I mean, actually, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and there might works. be some blowback for that later. She is a high lord or something. but you Yeah, know. you're not supposed to beat the shit out of them, but, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. He mentions, like, you know, there might be some repercussions. Maybe for me, maybe for her, I guess. <laughs> Hopefully not. It, yeah. it was a little funny because he says, well, next time, let me take care of it on the car car. And she's like... You missed a spot shaving. So you have shaving cream behind your ear or something, which is cute. In the two rivers, that is our custom, to leave shaving cream behind our ears. <laughs> so they, the team assembles, including Matt. After his experience, he's decided to go after help with Robin. And uh, Moraine gives Rand letters for him to read later. Don't read them now. Just read them later. Very... For reasons. Yeah, <laughs> fatalistic. Yeah. Uh, a letter for him and a letter for Tom Marilyn. I wonder what that's about. That was curious. Yeah. Yeah. And Asmodian is joining them too. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, this is something I think we asked about, but we do actually get confirmation that Asmodian is no longer protected from the taint. He, he, he mentions that he can actually... Right, yeah. Yeah. So, you know. I, I, but I do wonder, is it really advantageous to bring Asmodian on this trip? I mean... 
Couldn't hurt, right? I think he has to keep him close. Yeah, I mean, he's a Chandler, but he's not very strong. And isn't he, like, not particularly trustworthy? I, I just feel like if, if he sees an opportunity to stab Brain in the back, while he's, there's another Forsaken there to, you know... Oh, I trust Osmodian at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I cannot help but like Osmodian, but it's something that I, I work very hard to remember is that he is... Definitely done some like horrible like he, he's an irredeemable person right like he's mm-hmm. he's probably murdered children you know families burn people torture people just you know for fun like that's yeah, I mean, he's a forsaken who among us right <laughs> <laughs> glasswell has his throwing stones well it's also too remember that it's Landfear who has um, shielded Asmodian but Rand says he doesn't know. He knows that this shield is going to dissipate over time, but he doesn't know when, and he doesn't know how strong Asmodian still is, because Asmodian's acting like he still doesn't really have access to the power, mm-hmm. but he could totally be faking it. He could, That's yeah, true. and he's probably pretty devious. Mm-hmm. That is that is his nature, right? They mentioned that he's sort of like Mogedian and that he is not a, a attack from the front kind of person. He's a Attack from the Shadows kind of guy. Mm. I like Asmodian a lot, and I think he's an interesting character, and I want him to be there, but I still think that he's a huge liability for Rand. I agree. Hmm. So Moraine says, hey, there's something you should check out at the docks. So uh, we noticed that all the maidens are gone. Yeah. Yeah. They don't really say why. Rand Rand seems to know something about it, but it seems like... Am I missing something here? Is there some subtext here that I'm missing? Because no, nope, I don't okay. think it's explained. Okay, so yeah, because like Avienda says something like, "You must have done something great and dark," and I'm just like, "What does that even mean?" You know, there's 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 some like hints to something, but I have no idea what that's about. Hmm. I was curious if there was something I missed. So Rand says, after Moraine says there's something at the docks, he says, "The Creator made women to please the eye and trouble the mind," a two river saying. Which is an odd thing to think about, Moraine. <laughs> that is a weird thing to think about, Moraine. Uh, I mean, she is a nice to die, you know, but, you know. That's yeah. some good old Two Rivers misogyny there. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, right. So we cut to our old friend, Hadnan Kadir. Uh, he's hanging out at the docks, thinking about how it sucks to be a dark friend. Yeah, <laughs> yet again, right? Another poster child for why it really is not, not a great thing to be a dark friend. When uh, Rand and his team come by visiting, and uh, Keely shows up. And oh, she was yeah. Surprised by. I thought she was dead. Yeah. So did he. Uh, who it turns out is Lanfear. No big surprise. Yep. And he starts giving her the rundown on what's going on. Yeah, it's not great news that she's back in town. Yeah, uh, I think eventually he's going to get to the part where Avienda and Rand appear to be stooping. Yep. Because... <laughs> this is this 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 is like bananas for me. Like, yeah. I was reading this, and I was like, "Oh shit, shit is popping up." Yeah, what is like, going on here? <laughs> zero to sixty. Yeah, because I was like, "Okay, they're getting ready." Like, I didn't remember this at all. So they're like getting ready to go fight Robin. All of a sudden, like the side of a a, a oh. the side of a wagon blows up, and just like she bursts out of it. Like, ah! yeah, yeah. More she? than that, though. Yeah, and she's holding Kadir's skin. Yeah, God, she skinned him alive. Man, he didn't even do anything. She just told it. She, all he did was tell her what happened. Right. Mm-hmm. She whipped his fucking skin off. Oh, God. Yeah. And she starts, like, blasting the crowd and, and burning everybody around her like fireflies. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. A, a crazy, forsaken ex-girlfriend is, like, the scariest shit I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. And so I, it, I guess it turns out that all those times that Rand hastened to assure Lanfear that a particular woman was not, he was not interested in her. He wasn't just whistling Dixie. It was really important that she not get jealous. Because she yeah. is like a nightmare force to be reckoned with. Like she's like 
burning everything around her, everyone around her. And you know what? This would have happened several times over if not for Rand's weird hangups about sex. I know, right? Right? If he had hit it with like anybody else, this already would have happened five times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God, that's right. So uh, Rand and Lanfear have a fight. Rand manages to sort of make some magic walls to block off all the other people from the the all the murdering that she's doing. And I guess his memories kind of like he, he. So this is this is where his loose Theron memories are really saving him because there's there's a couple points where she's using her. Channeling, he finally figures out how to influence that. Which yeah, is like a big deal. Yeah, Luz Theron knows how to fight women channeling by by cutting their weaves, even if he can't see them. Yep. And she quickly dispatches Avienda and Egwene, so it's just one on one. And uh, Lanfear is a much better than Rand at fighting. Oh yeah. She, and and B Rand can't bring himself to kill a woman. Oh yeah. Well, you know this is this is one of those instances where lying might be a good idea. You know. <laughs> He has to say, like, I will never love you. I will, you know, you're, you're land fear. I hate you. And then. Oh, I mean, I don't think that this is a pot that you could unboil. No, I mean, right. it's just like a little bit of, like a little bit of like gentle lying might like do, at least give him a, a window in which he can fight her. Right. Like right now she's like in this rage and just like throwing everything at him. And it, it just like, all he can think about is that, that scene in Ghostbusters where they're like, are you a god? And they're like, no, we're not gods. And like, then die. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, like, I'll kill everybody in the whole world. I if, just don't like you that way. <laughs> if, you know, in a situation like this, maybe it's in a situation where you're going to be like, no, no, uh, she didn't mean anything to me. Like, I, I like you. You know, then, then you can have your well, end. Especially because this is all based on gossip, right? Could, um, Kadir just told her what he knew was going on, and people thought that they'd had sex. Avianda and Rain had had sex. Right, yeah. Yeah. But they don't, nobody knows that for sure, except yeah. Rand and maybe Avienda. <laughs> <laughs> God. Uh, yeah, it just, it just struck me. It's funny. It's like this might be the instance where you want to lie to her a little bit. But. Right. And this, I, this is also the instance where he should be going for the kill shot, but he won't do it. And I guess we, I guess we figure out that this is. There's a reason for this. It's it's like a remnant of loose Theron that's been living in him because he killed Ileana, so now he... Yeah, that kind of makes sense. That's, Maybe. that's the idea, I think. It's some kind of madness from loose Theron. Okay. It, it is madness at this point. Yeah. Maybe that would mean more than he's just a two rivers guy who can't bring himself to kill a woman. I, I think it's that about guilt. makes me really fucking mad. I think like, it's about guilt. Yeah, so guilt over Ileana. I mean, we know Matt killed a woman like... You know, eight hours ago. And yeah. he doesn't feel great about it. You know? Even though it said, though, when he did it, he was just acting out of instinct and he tried to get himself to stop. But his, like, previous memories were had taken over. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he he tried to stop himself even as she was trying to kill him. But Rand is acting on instinct through a lot of this fight, but he's still not, like, doing anything deadly. He's still trying to, like, club her and knock her out. Yeah, but Rand is basing it on loose Theron memories and Matt was basing it on his kick-ass general that's memories, true, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I, either way, Luz... <laughs> He's like, this is just like the time that I killed that woman at this battle. And this is like the time I killed the woman at this battle. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, yeah, like he mentions that Luz Theron has this... He, we know that Luz Theron killed I- Ileana when he went mad. And so I, it seems like there's this lingering guilt over Ileana that's pr- extending to all women. He can't kill a woman again, something mm-hmm. like that. Something occurred to me. Ileana and Elaine are very similar names. They are, aren't they? Yeah, so I wonder if that's a reincarnation thing. It just occurred to me in this chapter because they were mentioned. Their names were mentioned side by side a lot. It's like Elaine, Ileana. Yeah, yeah, I wonder. Mm-hmm. But before Lanfear can kill Rand, Moraine jumps her. God. Yeah, man, this is a 
this is oh, it's so good. This is she's so, like hiding out and then like, just tackles her. Like in Maureen, she planned this or something. She apparently she planted a t- uh, Angreal for Lanfear to find. Yeah. yeah, as bait at the at the at the door frame too. Oh, yeah. bait. Yeah, that's what I figured it was. Yeah, it was baiting her. She was luring her to in front of the door frame so she could tackle her into it. This was right. Like, and she tackles her into the into the door frame. Uh, and, and that is uh, the last we see. And they're gone. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Cause, yeah, because they're fighting next to the red Terangriel door frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So I'm trying to remember what we know about this door frame. When so Matt's Matt's been through it, and we know that it's inhabited by beings similar but different to the ones in the door frame in the White Tower, right? Yeah, this is the Foxy. Oh, sorry, not the White Tower. In Tier, that's right. That's where the yeah. yeah. So these are the Fox people, and the Fox people are very different uh, than the Snake people, but they have the same rules. Do you remember what the rules were? No fire, no fire, no, no iron, weapons. no music, no music. That's right. So, but there's no no rule against channeling in there, right? I don't think so. Okay, hmm. interesting. So what the hell's happening? Yeah, that's I a good don't question. know. But just starting from when Melindra tries to kill Matt, just the <laughs> these end of this reading was just like what, what? Yeah, it's like What's bang, bang, here? bang. Yeah, there was a lot of unexpected stuff. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was some. Uh, we we started off with some frustrating chapters, but man, there was a payoff in this set. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm really really excited to finish the book. Mm-hmm. Me too. That's a hell of a cliffhanger. Yes, for sure. So that's it for this episode. Next time, we're going to cover chapters 53 through 56 to close out the fires of heaven. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan at Alice M. Sullivan. I'm Michael Sparkman. I still don't have one of those. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. We love hearing from you. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews on where we got this from. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash club. Uh, the, those dollars really help us out in our hosting costs and stuff. Please like us in real life. We're super likable. Until next time, the, the light, light illumine you. you.